Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to pick up with uh, the second part of of Matthew chapter 6 and in the, in the last podcast I covered some things that uh, Jesus was telling his disciples and all of this kicked off because he had told his disciples unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven so Jesus is not going to leave his disciples hanging he's going to tell them how they can uh, um, make their righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees because what he is going to be doing is he's going to be teaching them about living a godly life, how to be pleasing to God, because he knows in just a few years he's going to be leaving them. He's going to die on the cross. He's going to be buried. He's going to be resurrected, and he's going to send back to the Father, and they're going to be taking over the kingdom. They are going to be taking his place, literally taking his place, and it's going to be up to these 12 men, well, minus Judas, and you add Matthias in Acts chapter 1, but literally, these 12 men are going to take the place of Jesus. They're going to be uh, building the kingdom of God. They're going to be sharing the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has done and giving people the opportunity to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so it's going to be up to them. And so he don't want to leave them hanging. And so that's why we have the Sermon of the Mount. It, it's, it, it literally stems from Jesus telling his 12 disciples, and yes, there's a crowd that has gathered. The crowd can hear him because they're all on the mountainside, so his voice is projecting. But all this stems from Jesus telling his 12 disciples, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And he says, here's how your righteousness can exceed that of the Pharisees. You've heard it said, but I say to you, and it goes on and on. And so... <clears throat> In the last podcast, I, I, I shared some don't do's. I, I gave two don't do's that, that, that Jesus told his disciples, you don't do this. And then he also gave them three when you's, like when, when you give to someone in need or when you pray or when you fast. And so Jesus then assumes that as his disciples, as his followers, that we're already doing this stuff. And, and, and so... He, he, is, he, he is telling them how their righteousness can exceed that of the, exceed that of the Pharisees. And, he is, and what he's trying to get at is their heart because he tells, he tells them, he says, The Pharisees, they, they honor me with their lips, but their, heart, their hearts are far from me. They, their, their hearts don't care anything about me. They don't care anything about God. They just want to be noticed by people and they want the praise of people. And he says, you have to be different. And I'm going to tell you how to be different. And that's, that's why we even have the Sermon on the Mount. But uh, I passed up a couple of things that are very important that we need to discuss. Uh, discuss and we're going to do that today in today's podcast. Um, because Jesus, he, he, he talks about prayer. And, and he tells them not to pray. In, uh, well, he, he tells them not to pray in public. He actually tells them to pray in secret. And not to pray seeking the attention of people. And then he says, he says, your father, if you get in secret, your father hears everything you say. He already knows what you're going to say before you even say it. And he's going to reward you. 
And then he says, don't use repetitive words when you pray like the Gentiles do. He said, because the Gentiles think by repeating these words over and over and over again, they're going to get what they're asking for. He said, don't do that. Uh, because God knows what you need. He, 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 he already knows before you even say what you're going to say, but he wants us to say it. He wants us to, to talk to him. It, and that's what prayer is. It's just a conversation with God. And so Jesus is going to go uh, into a deep, deeper explanation to his disciples about what he means when he tells them, this is how you should pray. And so he gives them what we call the model prayer. And it, and it, and it goes like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And this is New Living Translation. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And I you know, I know tons of people have explained this prayer to death. People have memorized this prayer. Uh, but but I don't I can't remember a time that I've ever tackled this prayer. I don't think I've ever broken it down. So what I want to do today in today's podcast is break down the model prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples. And he says, this is how you should pray. Because if, if Jesus is saying, this is how you should pray, well, guess what? That is how, I mean, it's very simple, but, but it's profound. If Jesus said, this is how you should pray, guess what? We need to listen to what Jesus said, and we need to pray like Jesus said to pray. So how does Jesus tell us to pray? So I want to break this down uh, and, and try to get it as simple as I can so we will know how to pray. Because let's just be honest, uh, prayer is, is hard for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people don't take time to pray. Um, and so let's break this down. The first thing Jesus says, he says, Our Father in heaven. Now, the word our Oh, you are. I'm Southern, so I, you know, I say our. I don't say our. I say our. Um, but our, our Father in heaven. The uh, the word our, our is plural. Uh, God is our Father. You and me, and anyone else who is washed in the blood of Jesus. God is our Father, but. Do you know who else is included in the word our? Uh, the very one that is actually giving this model prayer. Jesus. Even though, now think, this is, this is hard to understand when I say this. But try to wrap, you, know, you probably can't wrap your head around it because it's very difficult. I, I, I can't. Even though Jesus is God, remember he's God in the flesh. But even though Jesus is God, he is God's son which makes god his father that's why we say there's a the word trinity is not in the bible but it does talk about uh the trinity in john because we have the father we have god the son and we have god the holy spirit there's three separate entities or three separate beings and yet they're all one and a lot of people use an egg to describe uh god because you have an egg but yet the egg consists of the the shell the egg yolk and the egg white, uh, but yet it's just one egg. So that's that's a, just a brief uh, description of God. But try not to get too confused because it, it's very difficult to to really wrap your head around it. But Jesus, even though he is God, he is God's Son, 
which makes God his father. Now, let me explain it to you uh, like this. Jesus is God in the flesh. And see, there was a people uh, called Gnosticism uh, back in uh, when John was writing his gospel. And, and, and they, they were saying that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. And so that's why John says, I believe it's in John 19, down around verse 30 or so, but it talks about when Jesus dies on the cross and he gives up uh, his breath. They go around, they break the bones of the people, but Jesus is already dead. And so no bones are broken, but they take a spear and they pierce a spear into the side of Jesus. And John specifically mentions that out comes out of Jesus. When that spear is pierced into his side, John says out comes blood and water well what's a human body made out of blood and water i think it's like 70 percent water and so john shares that because of these these people who are are, are, are into this gnosticism stuff and knowledge uh, who said that jesus didn't come as god in the flesh john says look this dude was 100 percent human he bled just like we bleed he was god in the flesh he was a literal man. That's why Jesus called himself over and over again the son of man. Uh, he was born uh, of the Virgin Mary as a baby, a real life baby. Uh, how was Jesus conceived? Not by Joseph. Joseph was not the father of Jesus. Matthew covers that when he says, of whom was born Mary, meaning that Jesus, and if you read that, break that down in the Greek, Jesus belonged to Mary, but he did not belong to Joseph. Joseph was Jesus's earthly dad, but God was the father. Um, he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the first example uh, of artificial insemination that we ever had. Um, when Jesus was baptized by John uh, the baptizer in the River Jordan, remember he, he, John dunks him into the, the river. He comes up out of the, the Jordan River out of that out, after being uh, buried in baptism, and, he, and he's brought up out of the water, and the water's rushing off his body as he comes out of the water, and the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove, and, and he lands on Jesus' shoulder. And as this is happening, as, as he's coming up out of the water, and here comes the Holy Spirit down in the form of a dove, as all this is going on, and John is witnessing what is going on, and God had already told John, whomever you see the, 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 the Spirit land on, the dove land on, this is the Messiah. This is the one that you've been looking for, that everybody, these Jews have been looking for for a very long time. This is the one who has been prophesied about for hundreds and hundreds of years. This is the guy. And so as this is happening, as the dove is coming down in the form, uh, as the Holy Spirit is coming down in the form of a dove, a voice then comes down out of heaven and literally says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Meaning God the Father is affirming Jesus as his son. Mean, meaning that God the Father is Jesus' dad. And then in John chapter 20, verse 17, when Jesus was having, was having a conversation with Mary after the resurrection, Mary Magdalene, after the resurrection, and she grabs, she, she, when he called her by name, Mary, she recognized who Jesus was because she thought he was the gardener, but she recognized when he called her by name, and, uh, she recognized Jesus, and she lunges for Jesus and wraps her arms around the legs and the feet of Jesus, and he says, he says, don't 
Cling to me, Mary, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. Now get this. He says, but go find my brothers and tell them, talking about the other disciples. He says, you find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So this verse is beautiful because it tells us that Jesus is not only our Savior, but he is our brother, and we share the same Father, God the Father. Since God is our Father, then we should respect him as a father and want to live a life pleasing to him. And this is another podcast, and I've done this in the past, but if you've had a bad dad in life, uh, your dad mistreated you, abused you in any kind of way, it, it, it can be or it is very difficult to look at God as your father. And I understand. I've been down that road, and, and you, need to, you need to get some help and get some counseling in that area. It will, it will change your life, literally. Uh, Father's Day was very hard for me for many, many years. But until I reconciled with the situation and, 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 and forgave uh, my dad for committing suicide and abandoning me and, 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 and forgiving my stepdad for abusing me mentally and physically, not sexually, but mentally and physically, uh, uh, it, it literally changed my life. And forgiveness goes a long way. Uh, and so, so get some help with that area because um, for a long time, I could not look at as God as Father because, um, because of the abuse that I went through and my, my real dad uh, abandoning me when I was three years old when he committed suicide. And so get some help in that situation. But, but since God is our Father, we, we should respect Him and we should want to live a life that is pleasing to Him, which leads me to the next point which Jesus says, he, after He said, our, our Father in heaven, and Jesus is our brother, which is pretty amazing, uh, but God, is, God the Father is our Father. He's Jesus' Father, and we're brothers and, and, and if you're a female, you're a sister of Christ, of Jesus. But he says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Well, we have to understand what holy means. In Isaiah 57, 15, Isaiah says, For this is what the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, says, I dwell in a high and holy place. And also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. But God is holy and he dwells in a high and holy place, Isaiah says. In Revelation 15, verse 4. Who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. So what does it mean then, if we're to keep God's name holy, what does it mean that God is holy? And and this is a deep topic. People are writing books on on this topic, but I'm just going to cover it here in just a few seconds uh, as best that I can, as simple as I can. What does it mean when God is holy? It means separate and what i mean by separate is that god is we we can't understand this because we're marred by sin and and that's exactly what it means for god being holy he is not marred by sin he doesn't he i mean he knows what sin is but he has never sinned 
Jesus never sinned. That's why he was our, our, able to be our sacrifice. God the Father has never sinned. He has separated himself from sin. That's why people say that when uh, the Bible says that Jesus became sin when he was cursed as he hung on, on the cross on the tree. And so for that, you know, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So a lot of people say that for a brief moment in time that, that God had to turn his back on Jesus. And Jesus knew what it was like to be separated from the Father for the very first time throughout eternity. Because Jesus had become sin and God can't look upon sin. Because he is holy. It means he is separate. He, he does not know sin. And, and so he has never been tainted with sin. Therefore, he is separate from anybody, everybody, and everything. And so Jesus says in the model prayer, may your name be kept holy. And like I said, this goes way deeper um, uh, than, than what I'm explaining here. You, you can read books on this. You can Google it for yourself. But it just means, simply means that God is separate. He has never been tainted or marred by sin. Um, you know, and, and, and we are to keep God's name holy by the way we live each day. It goes, you know, I hear people use uh, GD. Uh, they'll use the Lord's name in vain. And, and they'll use God with uh, some four-letter words after uh god's name and and but this goes way deeper than that it, it 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 literally means that each and every day that we live that we are uh to put god first in our life and and that we are to because we have been made holy if we're following jesus we're walking with jesus we've been washed in the blood of jesus we have been separated uh from the world we have been made holy through the blood of Jesus, and we are supposed to live accordingly. We are to keep God's name holy by the way we live every day. If people know that we serve God, we don't want to bring shame uh, uh, to his name by sinning. Or we shouldn't want to. I know it's hard. Sometimes we make mistakes. But we want to attract people to God and bring them to him, not run them off or to be a stumbling block. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 6 Jesus says if anyone causes one of these little ones, and he, he has some children in his lap there at the time, some kids running around him. He says if anyone causes one of these little ones, uh, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck, that's a huge rock, a heavy weight, around their neck and be drowned or be thrown into the depths of the sea. So we, we don't want to be a stumbling block. We want to bring people to Jesus and not... Uh, make them run from jesus we want to attract them and so the way we attract them is jesus working through us and we are continually on a daily basis striving to keep god's name holy so the third thing that jesus says in this model prayer is may your kingdom come soon so we're, we're uh, our father we already know where god is he's in heaven um, we want to keep God's name holy each and every day. And then Jesus says, may your kingdom come soon. So in other words, thinking of the kingdom of God and may it come soon, 
Well, when Jesus said this, he says, I am the kingdom. He's starting the kingdom right there. And then when he leaves and goes back to the Father, and the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2, and people hear the message of Jesus, and they give their lives to Jesus, and they're baptized for their mission of their sins, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Guess what? They are a part of the kingdom. And then the Gentiles are welcomed into the kingdom. And, and uh, Peter goes to, Gen- to uh, Cornelius' house, the Gentile's house, or Cornelius the Gentile, he goes to their his house and preaches to his friends and family. Holy Spirit falls on them. They're baptized. And from that point on, and, and, uh, they're going to be preaching to the Gentiles. And Paul, or Saul at the time when he was persecuting the church, he, he uh, has a meeting with Jesus. He's knocked off his horse. He's blinded for three days. He goes to Ananias. Uh, Ananias baptizes him. Uh, Paul's uh, sight comes back to him. And Jesus tells Paul, who was Saul at the time, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you out to the Gentiles, and you're going to be persecuted just like you've been persecuting my people, but I'm sending you out among the Gentiles. So Gentiles and Jews alike, the, the kingdom has now come. And, and, but when Jesus says, may your kingdom come soon, what he means, in my opinion here, is that our focus should always be upward and our eyes on God, especially by what he has already said in, in this model prayer. Um, God, if we're to keep God's name holy on a daily basis, then if our focus is upward and our eyes are on God, then he'll, he will affect every decision that we make because our focus is on him. He should affect every decision we make. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily tri- trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How do we do that? Verse 2, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Why? Because he's, if you, if, I should have put verse 3 in here, but he, he's already done that. For the joy that's set before him, he endured the cross and despised its shame. Then he sent him back to the Father. And so Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and that's what the Hebrew author is telling he, these people who are being persecuted, and they're giving up on Jesus, and they're going back to the church. He's saying, look, you're, you, you've taken your, your eyes off Jesus. Your focus is on this stuff that's going on here on the earth. Keep your focus upward, not 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 horizontal but vertical don't look around you look up keep your eyes on jesus may your focus be kept upward no matter what's going on around you and peter is the perfect example of this and i know this has been preached to death too but when he saw Jesus, well, the disciples were out there in the storm and the boat's going crazy on the waves and, and Jesus comes walking on the water and Peter says, hey, if that's really you, let me come out to you. Let me walk on the water. And Jesus says, come on, get out of the boat. And so Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water, but he's focused on Jesus. But the minute he, he realizes, hey, I'm walking on the water. This is pretty cool. But he's getting hit by the water of, of the rough waves and he's feeling the wind that's blowing. Then his attention starts to go to those things and he gets his eyes off Jesus and he's looking around to see how cool this is and how the water's beating against him. These waves are hitting against him and he's feeling the wind and all of a sudden he begins to sink and he gets scared and he, he cries out, Lord, save me, I'm drowning. And so Jesus has to rescue him. He pulls him up and they're in the boat. So when Jesus says, may your kingdom come soon, he's, in my opinion, he's simply saying our focus should always be upward. 
that our eyes should always be on God. And that should affect our every decision that we make on a daily basis because we don't want to to uh, uh, we, we want to keep the name of God holy and how do we do that because if we got God in mind on all the decisions we make on a daily basis we're going to make the right decision and we're going to do the right thing and God's going to be glorified but if we don't include God in our daily living in our daily decisions then we're prone to sin and it's going to bring shame and, it's, and, and, it's, and God's name will not be kept holy in our lives. So since we're, we are, we're hopefully, Lord willing, we're focused upward and we're allowing that to affect our daily decisions, Jesus says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we have a tendency as people to be selfish. I mean, it, it, it's just natural. It comes natural. You look at a baby. Immediately after a baby is born, it is selfish. It wants to be held. It wants to be warm. It wants to be loved. It wants to be cuddled. It wants to be fed. And it wants its diaper changed. It, it's very selfish. The baby is. We, we, we are, we're just born in that with our nature. We are selfish people. We want to do what we want to do. Um, but if our focus is upward where it should be, then we will want to do God's will and not our own selfish will. It's hard to do. It takes self-discipline. It takes our eyes being focused on God at all times. Because the minute our eyes get off God, selfishness comes in. And Jesus, being the ultimate example, he was not selfish at all. But you know what Jesus did? He did struggle with the will of God in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, Jesus was the most selfless uh, person that's ever walked the face of this earth. He, he, he helped tons and tons and tons, thousands and thousands of people. John said, if, if we wrote uh, everything down that Jesus ever did, there wouldn't be enough books in the world that could contain everything that Jesus did. There was nothing selfish about Jesus whatsoever. He was super, the greatest example of being selfless. But he did struggle with the will of God in the Garden of Gethsemane because he prays three different times. He, I mean, he was in such agony that, that Luke says that his blood became like uh, blood. His, uh, his sweat became blood dropping from his head he's in such agony and 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 so he prays three different times is there another way we can get this done and he hears crickets from god the father and then jesus says all three times your will be done and he was obedient and he done god's will he went to the cross thank you jesus but first peter chapter 4 15 through 19 says make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is, and if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God are to entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. So 
we don't want to be selfish. We want to be selfless, just like Jesus is. And, 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 and we should be upward focused and praying that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus says, give us today the food that we need. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I like to plan. I, I can do things on a whim, and I do things on a whim. I, I, I do that a lot. But I like to have some kind of a plan. Like if I'm going to go on vacation, you know, I plan ahead. I, I plan on some things that we can do. I, you know, I get the hotel. Uh, um, I, I look at some restaurants in the area, and, and we'll, we'll kind of make a rough plan. We don't have like an itinerary or something, but but we come up with some you know some plans and some things we'd like to do I'd like to visit maybe we're gonna go surfing me and my daughter like to surf um and so you know there's a skate park there i want to go visit that skate just things like that so i'll come up with a, a little bit of a plan i like i like to i'm a goal-oriented person I, I i've been a meat department manager i've been a store manager i own my own business now i have a little debbie route uh I, I like to set goals, and I, I and I strive to work toward those goals. And I, I, I encourage other people to do the same thing. I encourage you to do the same thing. I encourage you to, because you know, w- with, without purpose, you know, the the people without a plan, the people perish. They just do whatever. Uh, the Book of Proverbs says. Um, so we need to have goals, and it's good to have goals, and it's definitely good to work toward those goals and to meet those goals. It, it makes you feel like you've accomplished something. However. Before we before we get caught up with tomorrow, before we get caught up with next week or next month or next year or five years down, you know, we, I remember talking with churches when I was in full time ministry, and and they they wanted a one year plan, a three year plan, a five year plan, a ten year plan, um, and 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 I understand, and that, that's good, but hey, let's worry about next Sunday. Let, let's worry about today. You know, let, let's get through today. But so before we get caught up with what's going on in the future, let's be concerned about today. Matthew chapter six verse thirty-four. Jesus says, "Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own." And and and, and that's what Jesus says. Give us today the food that we need worry about today you, you you need to be you need to stay alive today uh tomorrow will take care of itself when it gets here that that's in the future right now is in the present and that's what you need to be worried worried about and and thinking about food give us uh um, the food that we need for today what, what is food well i mean he's literally talking about food food is what our bodies need in order to keep going to survive food is literally fuel that gives us energy to do God's will. That, I mean, that's what we're doing. We're keeping God's name holy. We're focusing on the kingdom. We, we're, we're focusing on God. And, and, and we are working for the kingdom. And we're putting our selfish uh, desires to the side. And we're, we're focusing on doing God's will. But to do God's will, we need energy. Uh, we need fuel. And so that's why we eat food. Um, it's because food is what our bodies needs in order to keep going to survive food is the fuel that gives us that energy uh, it gives us what we need to get through today but not just to get through today but to give us food uh, that we need for energy to do your will that that's what that that's that's 
what we pray for. Um, food for today, but food to do the will of God. And what is food? Food is what our bodies need in order to keep going to survive. Food is that fuel that, that gives us energy, uh, not only to get through today, but to do literally do God's will. Uh, and because you know we are focused on that, that, that's what Jesus said. We're upwardly focused. We got our eyes on Him. We got our eyes on God, and we're wanting to do the will of God here on earth. But to to do the will of God, we have to have energy. Oh, and therefore we got to have food that gives us that energy. And notice what Jesus says: Give us today the food we need. Not the food that we want, which goes back to being selfish. Uh, I am not a healthy eater whatsoever. I love sweets. I love chocolate, um, and so I have to watch out. On, you know, how, I love sweet tea, and I've gotten in a, I got off of sweet tea for a long time, and I was drinking a gallon a day, and uh, and, and it was bad for me because I used two cups of sugar. And I literally was drinking a gallon a day. And, I, and so I, I practiced self-discipline. And I said, I'm not drinking sweet tea as much anymore. So I just drank it on, I drank one gallon through the whole weekend. And then I drank water through the rest of the week and milk on, on occasions. But I've gotten in a bad habit here lately of making sweet tea again. And, and I just told myself this morning, I got to quit making sweet tea every day. I, I got to get back on my water but food i i do not i mean i sell little debbies for a living if i get hungry on my route i eat an out-of-date little debbie um which is not good for you uh, it's full of sugar and, and all this stuff and, and instead of eating uh stopping eating a good breakfast or stopping eating uh, a good lunch or or something good for supper I, i'm i'm eating sweets i'm eating junk food it's not good for my body and so i'm getting a lot of sugar a lot of uh, uh, nutrients that i don't need and jesus says give us today the food that we need not the food that we want i want sweets i want sugar because it, it, it keeps me going man it gives me that fuel you know that that fuel that burns off really fast and, it, and you know if i eat too much of it it's gonna make me fat but uh i need to eat more healthier and 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 people tell me out I, I used to have um, some well i'm asked they're still my friends but they used to tell me in the past they, they say, you're going to die scurvy. I didn't even know what they were talking about. I didn't even know what scurvy was because I don't eat anything green. Green foods is gross. Uh, I don't eat anything that crunches if I think it shouldn't crunch, and I can't eat slimy foods. Therefore, fruit is out, and especially if it has a seed in it. Nope, no thank you. Uh, it just I'm a textured person. It feels weird in my mouth. Therefore, I, I don't eat it because I can't eat it. It's just gross. Uh, and so I do not eat healthy. And Jesus says we, we need uh, to be eating healthy, which means we need to be eating and feasting on the Word of God. And I've said this in the past several podcasts, but our lives literally depend on this Word. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And, 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 and that's what we have to be feasting on. That's what we have to be eating on is Jesus and the Word of God. Um, so when we have what we need then, we should be content that's a tough one, but we should be content with with what we have, but uh, that daily food. But since we have a hard time being content, we want more, and when we want more, we look beyond today, which becomes greed, and once again, we get out of focus, and we're focusing on self, uh, and so we quit focusing upward, and we start looking inward.
And so we have to be careful. Jesus says, give us this day uh, the food that we need, our daily bread, uh, in some versions say. And then he says, and forgive, and this is the big one, uh, a big one, not the big one, but a big one. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Um, you see, we have that first that first part down pat. We want God's forgiveness. We want to go to heaven. That's our goal is to get to heaven. But what we don't, what we tend to forget is there's a second part to that verse. As as and forgive us our sins. Yes, I want to go to heaven. As we have forgiven those who sin against us, and that there's a simultaneous action, if you will, going on here. God. Forgive us as we forgive others. In other words, forgiving others is not an option. In fact, Jesus is going to come back to this point right after he finishes giving this model prayer in verse 14 and 15 when he says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father or your Father will not forgive your sins. Now that that starts off with a very powerful two-letter word, and that little word is if. Which means there is a condition. And see, we, we, we want to say, well, there's no conditions on salvation. Oh, yes, there is. There are conditions to salvation. And Jesus says it right here in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. There, there, there's... The, this is straight out of the mouth of Jesus, not my mouth. I didn't say this. Jesus said this. And this there's no options to this. And what blows my mind is how Christian people or people who say they love Jesus, who say they're following Jesus and walking with Jesus, can't stand the brother or sister in Christ that sits right by them in the same building as them on a Sunday morning and they're they're constantly raising their hands and praising God and they're singing worship songs and they're listening to the sermon they're amen and the preacher but yet they can't stand their brother and sister in Christ that sits right over they've held grudges for years and years and years that can't happen the, the, the two it's like oil and water it does not work that way it doesn't mix if it, it, you can't hold grudges and be mad at somebody for years and years and years and say that you love God, if you if John covers this, I believe it's in Third John. He, he says God is love, and if you don't if you if you don't love, then you're not of God. And, and Jesus says, look, and this is the model prayer. He he says, um, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. We have to. Forgive. We can't hold on to hurt and pain and 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 what they've done to us in the past. That's what it is. It's in the past. We have and what forgiveness is is it's for us. It's not for them. It's for us. It's 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 saying I am giving up my right. I can punish you, but I'm not going to punish you. I, I'm going to let this thing go. Because uh, here's the thing about it. That person that we hold a grudge against, that we're not forgiving, they've moved on. They don't even think about it anymore. They don't even, it never even crosses their mind. And we're still stewing years and years later. It's ridiculous to harbor hatred and, and ill feelings and, and, and uh, these grudges. 
because it, it, it's just eating us up on the inside. And those people don't even think nothing about it. They don't even they don't even remember it even happening. I guarantee it. And so forgiveness then says, hey, I'm moving on too. I'm letting this go. I'm giving it to God, and he can deal with it at some point on down the road. But we have to forgive, and we have to move on. It's, you know, hell's not worth not forgiving somebody. We, don't, we do not, I mean, that's the whole goal is getting to heaven and taking as many people as we can with us. But we ain't getting there if we're going to hold grudges and not forgive people. That's what Jesus said. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And so he finishes up the model prayer uh, with this. He says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And this tells me two things, or tells us two things. Temptation is coming, number one. Temptation is coming, and God can, and in fact already has, rescued us from the evil one. Colossians 1, 11-14, Paul says, We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued, there it is, past tense, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So temptation is coming. It's coming. It, it came to Jesus. Jesus conquered it with the word of God. He, and, and Satan went away for a season and he would come back and try to tempt Jesus again. But if temptation came to Jesus, if we're living for Jesus, then temptation is going to come our way. But we already have been rescued by Jesus. But as we end today's podcast, I want to end it with 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. When John writes, because he says, because I mean, let's just face it. We want to be upward focused. We want God's will to be done in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. And, and, and we want to be selfless like Jesus is being selfless as he was the ultimate example but we want god's name to be kept holy and we want to forgive others and we strive to do that but sometimes we we, we're sinners i mean romans 3 23 says we all fall short of the glory of god because of sin and we just make bad choices sometimes and we fall short we're not perfect we do sin. But here, here's the, the, the great thing about this. And John says it in 1 John 2, 1 through 6. He says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only for our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey his commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. But if we sin... We have somebody that pleads our case before God the Father because we're washed in the blood of Jesus. And so as we end today, I just want to say this. I, I believe that Jesus is aiming for our hearts. 
And if our hearts are right, if we are focused upward and we're striving to do God's will, all, everything's going to take care of itself. However, if we stumble, if we make a mistake, and we will because we're human. We're not Jesus. We're human. We strive to be like Jesus. But unfortunately, we're going we're gonna to fall short. But if we fall short, if we make a mistake, we know that we are forgiven and we must keep moving forward. So there's the hope. That's the hope that we have. We are forgiven. Not only our past sins, our present sins, but also our future sins. If we continue to walk with Jesus, if we continue that upward focus, because what happens is so many times people get discouraged and, and, and like Peter they, they they look at the winds and the wave and, and and they start to drown and and they withdraw and and they withdraw from God instead of reaching out to Jesus saying Lord save me they 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 get their eyes off of Jesus and they're not upward focused anymore they're more horizontally focused and they're they're looking at the things going on in their life and they're discouraged and so what I want to do as we uh, end today is just encourage you to, to look to Jesus, to, to look upward and, and to ask for forgiveness and for what is going on in your life and forgive others and, 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 and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life today. Take care of today for tomorrow will take care of itself. Let's do this. You know, it's, uh, what's her name? Christy Lane, I think, is who's saying that one day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking for you or from you. And, and it, that's what it's all about. One day at a time. Let's take care of today. Let's get right with God today. Let's walk with Jesus today. And we'll take care of the other stuff when it comes tomorrow. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. Keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.